The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome. I want to let you know that the new 1111 magazine is out. You can access the free issue on the website, imsimron.com or 1111mag.com. It is a joy to rebirth that, and it is filled with amazing articles from beautiful individuals around the world, sharing their wisdom and their understanding on a variety of topics, in addition to my own additions that have to do with intention, prayer, forgiveness, and my own thoughts on different places in my own world that may lead to insight for you as well. So definitely access that. As always, you can... Listen to any of the archives on 1111 Talk Radio. They are archived all the way back to 2009, and the information is timeless. I always invite speakers on that have something to share to support you in your growth, your understanding, and your empowerment. And like that, uh, today I have a wonderful guest that is going to be talking about animal communication. It is not a topic that we've had on 1111 Talk Radio before, but it's so in line with what's going on right now in terms of how we are to grow the new types of young children that are coming in that are starting to open up to telepathic communication and the incredible way that animals help to heal our world and help to guide us. My guest today is Tim Link. He is an author, writer, speaker, nationally syndicated radio show host, and the president and CEO of Wagging Tales. He is a full-time animal communicator. And part of his passion for helping animals, he also is a mastered Reiki healer, which is an ancient art of energy healing that he uses on animals. He learned with great surprise that he could communicate telepathically with animals, and until he did that, he had no idea that he had this ability. He's written a book entitled Wagging Tales, Every Animal Has a Tale, which includes 32 stories about animals that he has helped through his gift as an animal communicator, as well as 24 helpful tips that you can implement with your own animals. Welcome, Tim, to 1111 Talk Radio. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I have a variety of things I'd love to dive into conversation with you about, um, but I'd like to start off first with some of the things that are actually kind of disclosed through your book and probably uh, at the tip of people's minds right now, and in it, it starts off with the ability to communicate with animals. Um, they're, they're not just our pets. They do have a much stronger uh, experience for us, both as best friends as well as soul companions and um, beings that touch and open our heart. But when you say that we can actually communicate with them, what, what are you really talking about? 
Well, you know, I go in a little bit more detail about it. My latest book, Talking with Dogs and Cats, sort of goes into that bonding experience with animals. So, you know, today in our, our lifestyle, especially here in America, you know, animals are not just uh, something to have around the house. They're part of the family. Uh, there are more animals in a household uh, per uh, ratio than there are children in the household. So we have to do our best every day to learn how to better to uh, communicate with them and bond with them. And in return, they will communicate and bond with us, building that best relationship possible. So when we talk about communicating with them, you know, we know they understand the words that we're saying. Um, dogs and cats in particular, you know, we go to training classes and we teach them how to, you know, set, stay, lay, leave it, all the wonderful commands that we learn in our, you know, our training classes. But it really goes on further than that. It's actually having a conversation with them because they fully understand what we're talking about. Uh, and I think for most of us and probably most of the, the listening audience, they probably would agree that if they have animals in their life, they're talking to them. They're not quite sure if the message is getting through or if they're opening themselves up enough to be able to receive what the animal's trying to communicate back to them, but they do admit that uh, they do have conversations with them and let them know what's going on, and that's a good first step. And what most people don't realize is is the way of our communication to our animals because we kind of feel like we're supposed to speak to them the same way we speak to everyone else. We're used to using words because we've forgotten as children that it is our minds, our imaginations, our images that are actually the way to translate not only to animals but to the entire world, to the universe, to really bring in what we want. So in this case, do pictures and images in our head actually translate better to animals than specific words do? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, you know, I think you hit it spot on that we are taught, you know, when we're young, when we're children, when we're three, four, five years old, we're not, you know, we haven't gone to school, we haven't learned our English language per se and how, to, how we typically communicate with each other on a human level. So our telepathic connection or everything around us, human to human, animal to human, whatever it may be, is in place. We don't doubt it. We don't question it. So it is there and active. So we do have to go back to the point where we're having conversations with them verbally. But more importantly, every time we say a word or a series of words, we send a mental picture out there. We, we project the imagery of what we're talking about. So if I'm sitting here talking to you about going to the beach and I'm putting my green flip-flops on and got my blue umbrella ready to go and my suntan lotion, you're seeing that in some fashion. And that's the same exact way that the animals pick up on it. So they understand those words that we're saying. They see the imagery we put out there. And the more clear we are with that imagery and the vision we're trying to project to them, the better they understand and then, of course, when we talk about things and we send out strong imagery, send out strong visions of what we're talking about, our energy goes up to a higher level, goes up to a positive level. You know, we, we've talked about it. We've got it off our chest, we've, you know, which means we've opened up those chakras to let that communication channel flow through. And so when we do those three things combined, we verbally talk to them, we send out a very strong mental picture of what we're trying to communicate to them, and then we feel good about it. We feel positive that the message got through. The animals will respond in a much greater fashion. You'll have even a closer bond with your animals. Well, we do live in a world with miscommunication and oftentimes unspoken words or words said and different actions that take place. Can we do the same thing with animals? Are we sometimes telling an animal not to poop on the carpet as we point to a pee pad, but we're visualizing the poop that's on the carpet? 
is that sending a mixed signal to the animal? Well, it is. It's, it is. You know, it's like uh, telling your animal to, uh, you know, not tear up the carpet while you're gone, and you fully expect when you pull in the driveway, you're like, oh, my gosh, I bet you the, dr- uh, the carpet's torn up, or I wonder if that carpet's torn up. So you're projecting that out there, and they're picking up on it. And, you know, animals, they understand those words that we're saying, and they, they respond better to that positive energy and those positive words I'd mentioned. So when you use the words, negative energy words uh, that I call them, like no, not, stop, don't, quit, they'll do their best to try to deflect those because they try to live in that positive state of mind and understand that positive energy. So they do a great job of deflecting that negative energy as best as they can, and they focus on the positive. So when you say, don't pee on the floor, guess what? You're probably projecting visually and verbally peeing on the floor. So instead, you say, let's do our potty in outside only, or let's do our potty in the litter box only, and you see that happening the way that you're wanting it to happen, and you're going to get much better results. When you say deflect the, the negative words, so when, when you say something that is a no or a not, does that mean that the animal does not pay attention to those words so it hears the statement in the affirmative anyway? That's right. That's right. And, and we sort of know that when, when, we talk, when I talk in the book, Talking with Dogs and Cats, about deflecting that negative energy and those negative energy words. Well, when we see our, when we walk in the home for the first time after being at work today, your dog will greet you with all kinds of excitement, et cetera. Uh, if there happens to be an accident on the floor and we get upset with them, they'll go away. They'll cower. They'll so go in their own room. They'll go away from the problem to try to get away from that negative energy. And within a few moments, they've deflected that and they've come back to you and everything's fine again in their world. So they do a great job of trying to deflect that. The challenge comes in the fact that if we're constantly in that, uh, that negative state of mind, if we're constantly using those negative words with them, they, uh, uh, after time, that will become bombarded into their consciousness, into their soul, and thus they start to absorb it. And that's when we start seeing dis-ease within our animals. And so we start seeing some physical challenges perhaps within the animal or emotional challenges that the animal is going through. Uh, so we have to be very cognizant of not only uh, what we're saying to them in a positive manner, but also our own energy and keeping that at a level where it's a very positive thing for them as well. You raised the scenario a few minutes ago as to, you know, if you, you tell a dog or a cat not to mess up the carpet and then you're driving home and you're imagining the carpet being torn up, you're likely to come home and the carpet's going to be torn up. So that means that even at a distance, those animals are picking up on the images and the thought forms that we're putting out there if we are focused upon them. family. Um, Some people will envision it as sort of a golden cord that attaches uh, your heart and your your energy to the animal. Uh, So that's always in place. And I always, I try to explain in the fact that, you know, we hear these stories, uh, and it's been proven time and time again, of uh, human twins being born together. And they sort of know instinctually, they have that deep connection, and they know what's going on. So when you have one, you know, the twins grow up together, one moves to New York after they uh, get older, one moves to California. That morning, the one in California wakes up and just has that feeling, that vision, that knowing something within their consciousness, something within their uh, telepathic connection they have with their, their twin sibling. 
and they pick up the phone to find out what's going on and come to find out there is something happening with the, uh, the twin that's in New York. And so we still have that same connection with our animals. We form that deep bond. And since animals uh, are very in tune with their telepathic connection with everything around them, they don't doubt what's happening or what they're receiving or what they're feeling. They, they tend to open themselves up to it and follow that. And since they have that, they'll know. So if you're coming home and you're expecting the, uh, the floor to be a little bit messy when you get home, guess what? You're more likely that floor is going to be messy when you get home because you've projected that out there. What you just said inspired a question in regards to twins. Uh, so often uh, we have litters of, of two, three, four, five, six animals, puppies, kittens, uh, being born at a time. And, and if breeders are, are breeding and then they're splitting these off and selling them, what, what are we doing to those animals in terms of their bonding or the connection that they've had with those that they're born with? Do you know the answer to that question? Well, I think we're we're if we're not explaining what the situation is when they when they separate the animals out, if we're not really communicating with the animals about what it is, what's uh, what they're to do, and why is this going to be okay, then there's always going to be that question. So this is no different than if you have a um, a spouse or a child or what have you that that's living at home, and all of a sudden they move away, and that then all of a sudden the dog becomes. Uh, have some behavior issues or becomes emotional or, or even has sorrow and, and, and uh, worry, you can tell that their, their behavior has definitely changed. Uh, that's usually the situation where we haven't explained to them. We haven't had that conversation with them. So they wonder what is going on. So it's the same thing with our, their siblings, um, you know, their litter mates. They'll separate from them. They'll go on to their new lives and they'll live in that present moment like the animals always do. But it doesn't mean they don't forget what that past is all about. That's why if you pair up, uh, you know, separate uh, litter mates and you bring them back together two or three years later, they know each other. They, they pick up like it was yesterday. It's no, long, no different than us catching up with our siblings or an old-time friend. Uh, it seemed like yesterday when it's been years that have passed. And, and I, I do believe that's the same situation. I think we typically identify our dogs and our cats uh, with love, with unconditional love, and oftentimes joyful because we see the tails wagging and and things like that. But do animals have various feelings and emotions? Do they feel sadness? Do they feel anger? Or are we teaching those things um, either through their own empathic connection or through the way we t- treat them? No, they, they definitely have the same uh, energy, the souls, the spirits that we do. They go through the same grieving process that we do. They go through the same happiness that we go through. Obviously, if we're at a more positive level and we're feeling good about things, they're apt to feel better about things. But if they have a human companion that lives in the house that have made their transition or even an animal that's made their transition that they've lived with, they feel that. They understand that. I think that the main difference is the fact that Animals understand those situations better. They, they understand that the body that they're in is just to be used for while they're here in this world. You know, they're here for a purpose, and they work every day for whatever that purpose may be. And then when they're ready to leave, they make that transition, and they leave the body behind. And I think they have a much better understanding of that than us humans. Uh, perhaps we have, uh, you know, if we've become sort of enlightened and we understand that, it still makes it more difficult for us because we often think this this 
body that we're in, this sort of meat suit that we carry around every day, we think that that is us. And so that's why we hold on to, the, to it till the very last breath. And we have these big you know, ceremonies and, and burials and, and things of this sort because we want to see that body and we have to have that as closure. And for animals, that's definitely not the, not the case. They understand it. They go through their grieving process at their time and however they choose to do so, and then they move on. And so I want you to, to go back because you said uh, that animals do have souls and, and many people don't realize that that they are sentient beings just like we are, that they, they have their minds, their hearts, and the souls. Can you expand a little bit about the souls of animals? Well, the souls of animals, you know, I always refer to everything as energy. That's how I look at it. Uh, you can look at it as a soul, a spirit, an essence, however you want to label it, but it's at the end of the day, it's all the same thing. So every living, breathing creature out there, every living, breathing entity out there, um, you know, lives in this world. We come into a body that we use to try to fulfill whatever purpose that we have um, in this world. And then when that body either no longer supports us or we fulfill that purpose, then we make our transition and we go back up into that same universal loving space that uh you know, energy space, you can call it heaven if you wish. For animals, we often refer to it as the rainbow bridge. It's all the same place. It's all the same thing. So we're all made of that, up of that pure essence, that pure energy, and we come into this world, we do our best every single day to fulfill our purpose, and then we move on. And uh, it's no different for, for animals. Uh, we end up at the same places, and uh, that love will continue on. Animals are sentient beings as well with souls. Do we have the ability to love these beings as we desire to be loved ourselves? Are we allowing them to be free? Are we allowing them to be honored with life in the same way that we try to honor ourselves with life? My guest today is Tim Link, and he is the author of Wagging Tales. He details some of his most dramatic and moving encounters with the animal kingdom, from helping a lost cat find her way home to comforting a cattle and sheepdog after back surgery. Tim shares stories that are both entertaining and heartfelt. He's a full-time animal communicator and a Reiki energy healer for animals. He's never failed to reach an animal, even if that animal has transitioned to the next world. In these dramatic and moving stories, Tim describes how he communicates with animals, not only in words, but also through feelings, smells, taste, emotions, and images. By building powerful intuitive connections with other species, Tim has transformed the lives of numerous animals and the people who care for them. His stories will transform the lives of readers as well as they learn to open their minds and their hearts to all creatures, great and small. You can find out more about Tim Link and all of his work at wagging-tails.com. We'll be right back after these messages. Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. 1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. 
Engage with experts and topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, expanding the heart, and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Why spiritual spelunking? Why tending to our inner garden? Why devoting time to inner being when so much external doing calls upon us? An Indian sage put it wisely, your own self-realization is the greatest service you can render the world. Join host Jeel Asselin as he serves as both guide and companion on the journey within. Nurturing the spiritual spelunker in all of us can be heard every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. I invite you to go to IamSimron.com. I have several new courses that are out and available for you. The Journey of the Soul Travel Kit helps you to understand six specific tools that will help you on your own journey to keep you grounded and stable as you move through life in all of its ebbs and flows. In addition, Be You to Fullness teaches you all of the information about the energies and the chakra system, about the signs, the symbols, and the synchronicities, and how to read your world so that you can step more fully and more confidently out the door every single day. My guest today is Tim Link, and he is the author of Wagging Tales, Every Animal Has a Tail, which is a book of 32 stories that he has helped through his gift as an animal communicator. He is also the author of Talking with Dogs and Cats, and this is a wonderful more basic Animal Course 101 type of book that allows you to have 30 tips that he has cultivated over time in dealing with animals, some of the more basic things that you probably deal with and don't really understand what they mean. So definitely check out more about his work, his healing energies, and the work he does with animals at wagging-tails.com. Tim, I want to go back to what we were talking about in regard to souls there have become more and more animal rights groups out in the world, and there are documentaries significantly pointing the finger at some of the slaughterhouses in different places that um, are using animals for different reasons to fulfill our needs as humans. And some of the most touching and heartbreaking are are some of these calves and, and the way that they're crying or the way they're pulled from their mothers or how when they get near the slaughterhouse, they start to mourn and start to cry because they can feel the energy of other animals uh, that, that they know that are being slaughtered at that time. What does this energy, in your opinion, do um, to the animal at the time that they're going through this experience and what effect do you think it actually has on 
the product being made by that animal, whether it is the meat that is eaten or the handbag that is made or whatever it is that is being done uh, with the animal once it has been slaughtered. Well, we we know that they, they have the same feelings and emotions that we do. You know, I, I think you any, any animal lover would know that, that they go through that kind of experience. And there's been, like you said, uh, proof, there's been scientific t- tests and things of this sort that will prove that they feel that energy and they feel those emotions around them. So, you know, I, I do believe it's one of those things where I always go back to communication. Um, if you're communicating with the animals, letting them know what is the situation, what the situation is, what they need to do, why is it going to be okay at the end of the day, uh, then and honor their purpose for being here, honor them while they're here, whatever animal we're talking about, um, I think that gives them a, a, a greater sense of knowing and um, the feeling behind what they're going to experience is going to be a lot easier for them. Um, you know, it's one of those situations where if you're simply just raising animals to uh, go to slaughter and they're just simply a commodity for you, then there is going to be some emotional impact because they won't know what was about to happen or even what transfers with them afterwards. So I think it's one of those things where, uh, you know, I'm always communicating because, you know, most of my work is done with dogs and cats and a lot of domestic-type animals, but I still work with zoos and aquariums and sanctuaries and and farms, things of this sort, to make sure that while they're here, we're treating them humanely and that we're communicating with them in the same fashion we would any other animal. There's there's also quite a bit of information that, that says when an animal is killed and there is fear in that moment that, um, that let's say that there's meat that's being made uh, for consumption out of that, then um, that we're ingesting that fear into our own bodies. And it is, it is something that, like you said, everything is energy and we're consuming that energy of fear within us. When you look at your work with animals in zoos or in different places, how are the animals taking that um, captivity and that effect of of being treated this way by humans? How do they view us in those particular situations? Well, I think the animals understand. You know, uh, they have, as I mentioned uh, in the first episode, you know, it's, they have a very clear understanding of why they're here. There's a purpose for them to be in the situation that they're in. In a certain, certain situation, that you know, they come into our lives. There's a reason. There's a purpose. I think every living being has a purpose. Uh, the challenge is, you know, for us humans, we spend most of our life trying to figure out what our purpose is. And, and as I say in the book, sometimes thousands of dollars worth of therapy to try to figure out who we are and why we're why we're here. Where the animals stay pretty clear to their their reasoning for being here. Now, I will say my belief is that those purposes aren't always easy. They aren't grandiose. These are teaching lessons. I believe we come back time and time again learning different lessons. And some of them are what we would view as humans, very very happy, loving situations. Some of us are very successful in what we do. We have accolades and love all around us. But it doesn't mean that the next purpose that we try to fulfill is going to be the same way because we have to experience everything. So from my communication with the animals and what I believe in is the fact that if they're in those situations, even if they're treating, being treated poorly, they understand that there's a reason for them to go through that situation as, as heartaching as it is. Uh, I would just encourage us humans to realize that and try to let them know 
what is going on and, and try to give them the best life and the best chance to fulfill their purpose as we possibly can. In my own book, Conversations with the Universe, I write about my awareness of how my own animals were taking on uh, the environment around them and the energy of, of us to help us clear certain issues. That They were almost as spiritual guides that were helping us to clear certain issues. And I recognized that the very illnesses that those animals took on correlated to the issues of blockages within the specific owner in the family of that particular animal. Is that something that you are finding when you're working with animals, particularly if they have an illness and you're communicating with them? Do you see a correlation between the environment, the owner, and the animal itself? Yeah, absolutely, and definitely between the owner and the animal. Um, You know, we talk about, I talk about the negative energy. We're in a negative state of mind, both physically and or emotionally. Our animals do a great job of trying to deflect that, to get us into that positive state, try to heal us the best they can. But if we're constantly staying in that state of negativity, both physically and emotionally, then they start to absorb it. So how we act, what we do, how we feel, how we have our chakras aligned, how we let that energy flow within us has a direct impact on the animals in our life. And if we continue to bombard them and allow them to be part of that negative energy, after a while they will start to absorb that. And that is when you see those behavior changes and physical changes within your animals. Now, I do know also that animals come into our life for that purpose and reason. So often they'll come to us to teach us lessons and to help us heal. Um, you know, it was my own schnauzers, uh, my Buzz and my Woody, and I talk about it in the book, talk, Talking with Dogs and Cats. They came into my life at a time when this gift of mine, my consciousness, opened up to be able to communicate at a deeper level with animals. At the time, I had no realization that they were here to help me on that journey, to put me in that path, and to teach me these lessons. And a lot of them were health-related lessons that they went through that I had no knowledge of before, but now I've been able to talk to tens of thousands of people about these situations. It wasn't until much later when I opened myself up and reviewed what was actually happened that I realized that they were here to teach me those lessons, and some of them were tough, but they were here to teach me so I could then spread that word and help tens of thousands of other animals and people. When uh, an animal passes on, do we sometimes hinder its full passing um, to move on to its next journey or to to clear the cord between the owner and the animal because of our attachment to it in the same way that we do with sometimes our own human loved ones that we have a hard time letting go of? Yeah, you know, I think for us humans, that's the hardest thing in the world. It, you know, I do a lot of grief counseling and helping people make, uh, you know, understand what their animal's wishes are before they make their transition, and then after they make the transition, how to deal with that. Um, no matter what we do, whether we help them make their transition or they pass on their own, we always doubt ourselves. We always beat ourselves up over that situation, wondering if we did too much or too little. Did we wait too long? Did we do it too soon? And we're always uh, in that type of situation. And I try to give them guidance based on what the animal is sharing with me on 
uh, to let them know that there, it's time to heal. It's time to for them to understand that the animals understand what had happened to them, and that they're always going to be here with us. They're always going to be our furry angels. They're always going to be in the, our consciousness and in our in our souls. So I think that's a big part of it. Now, do we hinder it? Well, I, from talking to the animals all these years, you know, we hear the old story of, you know, the dog went away to die. It's sort of an old uh, uh, wives' tale, we call it, or old uh, saying that we have back in the days. But it's actually very true. If our animals have their choice, they would understand that their, anim- their body is no longer supporting them, and they would like to make their transition on their own and on their own terms whether that is to go away from the house and from the people that take care of them or whether it's to do it you know, while they're on vacation or at work or when they're there. Uh, you know, often animals will make their transition when their human companions are, are not in physical form around them at that time. But they do also honor us. They try to do everything they possibly can to um, help us out. And so they know how important it is to their human companions to be part of that process and to do everything that they feel they can to help support them. And so they will hold on as long as they possibly can, and they will allow us to do all the things we um, do to try to help them out, even knowing that perhaps uh, after a certain period of time it's time to let that go. And you do work with people as well even after animals pass on, so there is a way to communicate with them beyond this point if someone wanted to. Yes, absolutely. You know, uh, we're, uh, we're all made of energy. Animals are made of energy, so there's no reason that that energy can't move to wherever it wants to move to and come back and uh, be part of uh, our lives. And so there's, uh, we, I can definitely help people out in those situations and help them connecting with their animals. And they undergo that same process that we do where their energy is restored, their life force is restored, and they, they move in, in whatever capacity energy moves at that point. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they, uh, I always, uh, the way I try to describe it is, uh, you know, their energy is attached to their bodies, and we, we'll use the golden cord as sort of a, uh, a visualization here, but it's attached by that golden cord. Um, when they true, choose to leave that body and make their transition, they sever from that golden cord, and they go up into that energy space, that loving space, a heavenly space. Um, during that time, their body, their, excuse me, their energy regenerates up to what I call its maximum potential. It's, it's uh, uh, if you sort of envision your animal in its prime, whatever vision you have of that animal when it was its healthiest, happiest, and youngest at heart. That's your vision. That's their prime. And in your view of the, your animal may be different than what I have, but at the end of the day, that's their peak energy signature. That's their peak prime. And so they regenerate up to that level. And there's no time limit on how long that will take to fully regenerate. It's sort of a journey that they're on. And, you know, some of us are, I, I always tell people, it's sort of like, uh, some of us are like my dad going on vacation. The point was to get there as quickly as you possibly could. That was the goal for him. And for, for some of us, we like to make multiple stops and, and smell the roses on the way and look at the you know, giant ball of twine at the side of the road or whatever it may be. So this journey they take back up to the heavenly space, they take their time, whatever time they need to generate up to that peak potential. Now, during that time, they can come back to visit, and they often do. They often come back in those early days especially for two reasons. One is to help us heal, to help us let us know that they're well and that they are, they're, they're going to be fine 
and that they're always going to be here for us. So if we open ourselves up to it, that's when we sort of feel them around us, or perhaps we hear the dog or cat bark or meow. We'll feel footprints on, uh, footsteps on the end of the bed where they used to lay. Uh, golden orbs will appear in non-reflective surfaces. Uh, streaks of uh, you know a shadow out of the corner of your eye, and you turn to look, and there's nothing physically there, but that's their movement. All these different ways they try to communicate with us to let us know we are here, and we're going to help you heal, and we're always going to be there for you. And then the second thing I always see happen is they'll come back and leave their imprints or their teachings with the other animals in the household uh, and also new animals that come into that love connection in the same household that they were before. So that's when all of a sudden you'll see uh, two cats in a house, and one cat will make its transition, and the one cat's left behind was always the quiet one, the shy one that hid underneath the bed, whatever it may be. And all of a sudden that cat has been told by the one that made the transition that it's important for you to come out and give love. This is going to be your role. This is something I did before. This is something that you need to do to make this household complete, to make your family complete. And all of a sudden you see that cat start to take on that role. And I think it's important for us humans to, to realize that. Don't disregard it. Don't just say, oh, well, you know, the, the original cat's out of the way, so the new one, you know, the one that hit all the time can now have the right to come out and not be afraid. That's not the case. They've taken on that imprint or that teaching that the other animals left behind. My guest today is Tim Link, and he is the author of Talking with Dogs and Cats, in addition to his first book, Wagging Tales, Every Animal Has a Tale. You can find out more about his books, his work, his workshops, his training, his own radio shows, in addition to his Reiki healing and the work that he does with animals at his website, wagging-tales.com. We'll be right back after these messages. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. 1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly online publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. Engage with experts in topics of consciousness. Become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, 
expanding the heart and experiencing greater aliveness. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. This is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Energy healing is a gentle, painless, yet powerful modality that works where it is needed most. The form of energy healing that Tim Link uses is Reiki. Traditionally, Reiki has been used primarily on humans, but it has been found to benefit any living thing, including plants and animals. Reiki can be used for distance as well as hands-on healing, and it works on a variety of levels, mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Reiki consists consists of the same universal life energy that makes everything alive. Any living thing can be helped by Reiki. Typically, when a Reiki practitioner uses Reiki on an animal, the animal will become very relaxed and sometimes fall asleep. A treatment can be as short as 5 to 10 minutes or as long as up to an hour, depending on how much the animal needs healing and how it feels. Once the animal has absorbed all of the energy it feels it needs, it will slowly awaken and walk away. Often, the experiences will allow the animal to provide a sign of affection as a way to say thank you, and this usually takes the form of a nuzzle, a love nick, or a love nipple. You might want to try Reiki for your animal today to allow it to have some energy healing and to detoxify from the environment or what it's picking up on. My guest today is Tim Link, and he is the author of Wagging Tales, in addition to Talking with Dogs and Cats. You can find out about all of his animal communication, Reiki healing, his lost pet finding, and his books and other information at wagging-tails.com. Welcome back, Tim. We were talking about um, animals passing on, and I wanted to go into the subject of time. Do animals have a sense of time, um, and is there a way that we should speak to them about time? I know I had a friend uh, who had a cat, and whenever she would go away, she would speak to that cat in terms of how many dark nights she would be away, and and she felt like that way they would understand the concept of time. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, that, that's uh, spot on, so big kudos to your friend on that. Um, yeah, there's a section in the book, Talking with Dogs and Cats, where I talk about how they understand the sense of time and understand how many hours you're going to be gone or how many calendar days you're going to be on vacation. Um, so they, they know that, definitely. Uh, for instance, uh, my boys, Buzz and Woody, we have this little thing uh, when they were with us called Kongi Time. And Kongi Time was basically the, the red rubber Kong manufactured uh, balls that you put little cookies in and they roll them around and they get the cookies out and sort of mentally stimulates them and gives them a nice little treat. Well, we always did Kongi Time at 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock Eastern Time every day. Do or die, that, that was the time. And so no matter what the situation was, except for daylight savings time, they were off by, <laughs> by a, an hour just like the rest of us for, for a few days. But at 11 o'clock every day, they would come over, pounce their paws on our legs, 
and let us know it was time for Kongi time. And we would look up, my wife and I would look up at the clock, and we'd notice it was 11 o'clock. And it was spot on, day in and day out. We could be busy at our computers or on the phone, whatever it may be. They would come and place their paws on us at exactly that time. Um, I've also had situations in the book uh, Wagging Tails. There's a story about a a cat who, um, for years and years and years, uh, his human companion went to work every day at the same time, came back at the same time every day, and never had a problem in the world. And she contacted me uh, one day and said, Tim, I'm not sure what's going on, but when I come home from work now, my cat is tearing up everything. She's torn down the, the drapes on the uh, the curtains on, on the wall. She scratched up the, uh, the new couch. She's torn up the carpeting. She's really caused a problem. I took her to the vet, and there's nothing physically going on. What's happening? And so I peeled back the onion, as I called it. I had a conversation with the animal and sort of asked them questions about, you know, what is it? And the cat kept coming back saying there was changes, there's changes going on. And so I started asking the basic questions like, okay, what's changed? What's changed? Is the furniture changed? Is the curtains changed? Is the carpet changed? Have you ch- has anybody moved into the house? Has anybody moved out of the house? So I went through a series of questions trying to peel back that onion layer by layer to figure out what those changes were. And come to find out, when I asked uh, the human companion, my, my client, what changes were happening, she couldn't figure it out for the longest time. And then finally, I asked her, did your job change? She goes, no, it's the same job I've had for years. She said, uh, but you know, I've, been, I've been working a little later. I've been coming home a couple of hours later. I get home at 7 instead of 5 now. I said, oh, really? I said, how long has that been going on? She said, well, a couple of weeks, about two weeks. I said, oh, great. I said, well, how long has your cat been having a problem? And she said, about two, and then there was a pause. two weeks weeks it was so I told her here's what you need to do when you leave the house to avoid separation anxiety there's a lot of wonderful things you can do and in the book talking with dogs and cats I give you some of those steps and some of those tips but the biggest thing that you can do is communicate with them and before you leave the house let them know where you're going when you'll be back and you use those days and nights or, or see a clock move forward to the time that you're coming back home or a calendar flipping to the days of uh, when you're coming home. And then most importantly, give them a job to do. What are they to do while you're gone? And make it nice and easy and no stress for them. You know, often we'll tell the dog to guard the house or the cats to look out the window at the birds. Well, that's, that's tense. That's, that's a job. You know, that's an official job to do, and we want to make it easy for them. So you simply say, you know, uh, Fluffy, uh, Daddy's going to go to work, and I'm visualizing going to work. I'm coming back at 6 p.m., so that's going to be in eight hours. And I see that clock moving to 6 p.m. What I need you to do is keep our favorite blanket warm for me. Mm. A long nap for me. Something nice, easy, stressful that they can do. And I did this for my client. I had told her to tell, talk to her cat. Where are you going? When you'll be back? And what are they to do while you're gone? And it solved the problem. As a matter of fact, the cat got in the habit, once she was communicated to, to be at the doorstep waiting for the door to open, like a dog would, perhaps, <laughs> at, 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 when the lady said she would be back from work. And that, that story goes back to, you know, uh, gosh, eight or nine years ago. And I see her at church quite often, and she tells me every single time she still does it today, and she's never had a problem since. Mm. So if if animals have a concept of time, do they also have the concept of distance? Because oftentimes animals do know how to get back to their homes, but yet there are other animals that end up getting lost. 
talk about those scenarios and what do we do when animals get lost? Yeah, you know, I, I do a lot of work with missing animals. It's probably what I'm best known for. There's, you could go on uh, uh, Google my name and see a lot of articles that have been written about success stories that we've had, or go to my website, wagging-tales.com, and you can read some of the stories there as well. Um, so it is one of those things that I, I, I do, and I work with people around the world, and we've had a great deal of success finding dogs and cats and lizards and bunnies and stolen horses and <laughs> you name it. But it's not always a guarantee they're going to be able to do that because, as you mentioned, sometimes sometimes they can't find their way back. Perhaps they've run into some danger, maybe some uh, humans that cause some issues for them or other animals or, or cars or whatever it may be. Sometimes it's simply they're on a journey. Maybe they've never ventured from the porch for 10 years, and all of a sudden they decide they want to go on a little journey and a little uh, walkabout to see what the world's all about. Um, that happens quite often. Sometimes there are some rifts in the household, that energy we talk about. There's, there's too much negative energy going on, too much drama, as we call it as humans, and so they've got to get away from it. And sometimes they can make their way back, and sometimes they can't. But there are also times when they're not even meant to come back. And that's the hardest one, I think, for us to understand is the fact that, you know, they are here for a purpose and a reason. And when they're done with that purpose, they either make their transition from their body or they leave. And oftentimes if they feel they've done everything they can for you, it doesn't matter how great of a life they had, how many treats they get, how many times you let them sleep in the bed with you, if they feel they fulfilled that purpose, then they move on to try to help out somewhere else or to fulfill that purpose somewhere else. And uh, that's a very difficult one for us humans to uh, to accept, but it does happen. And you talked about communicating with different types of animals. And so, you know, most people are thinking dogs and cats, but all of the communication you speak of can be done with anything from fish to iguanas to horses to uh, lions out in the jungle to anything, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. So our animals of, of any sort, you know, they, talk, they communicate on that telepathic level, not necessarily the verbal words or even the visual cues they give each other. It's that telepathic connection that they have with each other that has that real uh, uh, way to communicate and understand each other. And so animals of all sorts can do that. And uh, so I do a lot of work. You know, I've, I've worked, with, like I mentioned, with aquariums and zoos and farm animals. And no matter if I'm talking to a zebra or a, uh, a lionfish, it doesn't matter. It's all the same type of energy. And if you can open yourself up to connect at that level, then you'll be able to have those type of conversations with them. And from a collective standpoint, we, we as humans... We really do want a better world, and despite ourselves, you know, we, we are creating that uh, as each day passes, slowly and steady. What is the, what do you feel, or have you received any communications from animals in terms of what they are here as a collective to do on the planet to support Mother Earth and to support uh, humanity? Yeah, from a, from a collective standpoint, it's pretty consistent. Uh, and it seems very basic when I say it, but it's very true. You know, it's all about love. It's all, I believe every living thing out there is here to teach us love, 
to, to bond with each other, to live in this world together, to have the best relationships possible and be kind to each other. It all really comes down to love. So I, I think every single day, no matter what, you know, what type of animal it is or what type of animal you have in your life or around you, if you open yourself up to it and just see the pure essence and the pure love that they have for, uh, and respect for being here and, and respect for everything around them and just wanting to give love and to receive love, uh, that's the key. And, you know, as humans, we walk around so often wondering why don't we have love or we got this preconceived notion of what love actually is. And reality, it's there all along. It's in our animals, and it's around us all the time. We just have to open ourselves up to it and let it come through. And what is it that we can do, those of us that want to be more conscious about the collective of animals, what is it that we can do to support the animals on the planet? Well, I think the biggest thing we can do is is to form that best relationship possible, communicate with them, on a daily basis like you would any other human and actually support them and try to identify what their purpose is for being here and try to honor that and support them every single day. So it's really no different than, than any human that you have in your life or any human around you. Now, that's the biggest thing they want for us um, is to realize why they're here and allow them to fulfill that, uh, that purpose, that reason for being here. I want to thank you, Tim, for being on 1111 Talk Radio and all of the work you do to bridge the gap between humans and animals. You can find out more about Tim Link at wagging-tails.com. That's W-A-G-G-I-N-G-T-A-L-E-S.com. Check out his two books. Uh, the one that just released uh, last year was Talking with Dogs and Cats, where you'll get a good basic animal communication course and 30 of his top tips on how to communicate with your animals, along with his book, Wagging Tails. You can also find out more about what he does in terms of Reiki and some of his other speaking and workshops if you'll go to his website. Again, that's wagging-tails.com. Next week, my guest is Celeste Yacobani, and we are speaking about prayer. A very, very fascinating conversation as she has researched and investigated with people around the world to discover some of the nuances and the beauty of prayer. Until then, in love, of love, with love, and as love, I am Simran. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.